Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. My friends at MyPillow, my buddy Mike Lindell, told me he was coming out with a brand new product. It's called the New Mattress Topper. So I got the New Mattress Topper immediately, and I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of months. It's the best thing you've ever felt in your life. Now, you literally have MyPillow foam for support. It's a transitional foam that helps relieve pressure points. And it's ultra-soft, patented temperature, regulating cover. And i got to tell you, it has a 10-year warranty, a cover that's washable and dryable. It's made in the USA, backed by their 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Once you try this new mattress topper, you put it right over your mattress, you will never sleep better. And right now, you, my radio listeners, you're going to save 30% off when you go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code TOPPER. And by the way, Mike will also give you two standard MyPillows absolutely free. All right, so try MyPillow.com promo code TOPPER. Promo code TOPPER for this great deal and the best night's sleep you ever had. Hey, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose, and it is my honor to sit in for him today. We have a great show coming up. Greg Jarrett is joining me, Laura Trump, and Katie Hopkins. So you want to stay right where you are. I want to say thanks to Greg here in our studios in Pittsburgh Greg, thanks so much for helping. And Linda and Ethan in New York. And and I got to say this, not too long ago, I had the opportunity. Now, I knew she could sing and I've heard, you know, bits and pieces over the years. But I saw Linda on stage not too long ago. She was amazing. Linda, girl, first of all, I was standing next to a 20-some-year-old who thought you were also 20-some. I paid him a lot of money and he did his job. (laughs) 
<laughs> but girl, you have an amazing voice, but you also have that stage presence that not that doesn't ordinarily come together. You know, somebody can sing really well, but they, you know, on stage you're kind of a dud. Oh my god, you were hot. Thanks. You were girl. hot. I appreciate it. You were so, so good. It was a good time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was all, it's always nice to see you guys. And fortunately, I've been able to see you a couple of times in the last couple of months. So that was nice. Some of the nicest people worked for Sean Hannity, worked with Linda, and I appreciate all of you. I really do. Gosh, you know what? Since we're headed towards the end of the year, some of you may say, thank God, because it's been a crazy year, I know, for me. And uh, it certainly has been for the president. We've got a media that just doesn't let up on him. The left doesn't let up on him. Won't admit that he's been very competent and they throw everything they can at him. I'm just going to give you a little portion of some of the things that have been said about him. The predictions made about him starting back in January 2018. We begin tonight with a bombshell. Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president will resign. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping point. Trump's going down. This president could be impeached. I do not think the president will serve out his term. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way, no how. Breaking news. Absolute bombshell. I think Donald Trump is in trouble. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The wall is closing in. Uh, The wall is closing in. in. No matter what the left is throwing at him, it hasn't prevented him from doing what he promised us that he was going to do while in office. So despite the criticisms, despite the accusations, the corruption, he did and continues to do his job. Now, the Washington Examiner said this about his first two years. Um, They said the Trump's administration achievements have been overlooked, and they have. They are so darn busy criticizing him and, and predicting his doom and gloom that they haven't even focused or highlighted any of the achievements that he's made, really. They've been overlooked. And the Washington Examiner said that despite the fact that the list of achievements His achievements have surpassed President Reagan during the very same timeline of Reagan's administration. Do you ever hear about that? Uh Uh-uh, I didn't think so. And has more than doubled. Those achievements have more than doubled since the last tally of accomplishments after his first year in office. The administration has counted 289 accomplishments in 18 different categories. They had 173, they say, major wins, like adding more than 4 million jobs. That's pretty big. And 116 smaller victories, like the 83% one-year increase in arrest of the MS-13 gang members. All victories. So what I did is I put together as much as I could without going on too long, because God knows I could, a partial list of what Trump has given us in terms of the economy. It's stronger, stronger today. And the American workers are better off today thanks to Trump's pro-growth agenda. So over the summer, there were indicators that showed that the Trump economy was healthy and that it was breaking new records. Unemployment claims were at a 50-year low. African-American unemployment at a historic low, 5.9% back in May. Hispanic unemployment at 4.5%. Asian-American unemployment at a record low. Female unemployment dropped to 3.6% in May 2018. That number is the lowest it's been since October 1953, before many of us were born. 
not since 1953, ladies. And youth unemployment at a rate of 9.2% in July, the lowest since July 1966. Veterans unemployment is the lowest in two decades. So all of that is very good if you ask any one of those groups. 67% of Americans believe that now is a good time to find a quality job. That's according to Gallup. That was a poll that was done not too long ago. More than 3.5 million jobs have been created. Over 300,000 manufacturing jobs created. And that is the highest level since December of 2008. Over 300,000 construction jobs have been created. And that's its highest level since June of 2008. They say that consumer confidence um, in the current conditions has reached an 18-year high. Small business optimism. I come from a small business family, and um, it's so good to see that they are very optimistic, and it's sustained record high levels, that optimism. There was a Harris poll that was done, it was um, late summer, I think, and it showed that a remarkable 85% of blue-collar workers believe the country is advancing in the right direction. 68% reported a pay increase in the last year. $5.5 $5.5 trillion in gross tax cuts, 60% going to families, and we saw the child tax credit double. And all of this, of course, just crumbs, according to Nancy Pelosi, just crumbs, unless, of course, you're collecting those clums, crumbs. Um, did you notice, by the way, when people like Nancy Pelosi say that, the people who tell us it's bad to be rich are usually rich themselves. Ever notice that? Top corporate tax rate was lowered from 35% to 21% so that American businesses could be more competitive. Over $450 billion already poured back into the United States. That includes more than $300 billion in the first quarter of 2018 alone. Retail sales have surged. Um, Oh, You know, a a couple of months ago, Target store CEO said that this economy was amazing. In fact, he said, and I quote, this is the best consumer environment I have ever seen. The best he's ever seen. Some of you, when I tell you that Tiffany is selling more blue boxes because affluent buyers are splurging, might say, well, what do I care about that? You know, well, how about this? People that work in the stores that sell those little blue boxes are doing well commissions. They're the, you're an average American working at Tiffany. You're getting commissions. Sales rose 12% from a year earlier to $1.1 billion. It all adds up and it's all, and it's all good for everybody. It really is. President Trump far exceeded his promise. And I love this. Remember when he promised to eliminate regulations at a two to one ratio? Well, guess what? Instead of doing that, he issued 22 deregulatory actions for every new regulatory action, 22 to one. How about that? He beat himself on that promise. You know, and then you can look at domestically, trade, energy, defense, veterans affairs, law and order, healthcare, infrastructure, all, all seeing great success. And very important, I think, and and Linda really is, is responsible for opening my eyes to just how much of an epidemic this is. This administration declared the opioid crisis a nationwide public health emergency in October of 2017. But since then, this administration has helped reduce high-dose opioid prescriptions by 16% last year, and $6 billion in new funding has been gone has gone out to fight the opioid epidemic. And that is so important. And I was hoping that maybe today we can even talk a little bit about that. 
we'll see how much time we have. But not only are we doing well domestically, but America's winning on the world stage as well. He followed through on his promise to move the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. He ordered an end to U.S. participation in that horrible Iran deal. Days after he took office, he withdrew the U.S. from the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. And also, by the way, he contributed to the return of 17 Americans held overseas. And that very long, very gross and reluctant relationship that America's had with the International Criminal Court, that came to a halt. Last year, he announced his intention to withdraw the U.S. from the Paris Climate Accord. And, you know, the nations that are still in the accord have not yet reported a decline in greenhouse gases. Instead, there was a 1.7% spike. At the same time, though, under Trump, we achieved the largest decline in carbon emissions in the world. He negotiated historic U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement to replace NAFTA, working with North Korea's Kim Jong-un to establish denuclearization. Oh, and he was really successful in getting the return of those remains of the soldiers from the Korean War. Venezuela, Syrian regime, Cuba policy, all of these places. He has done greatly great. He's done so well and he's been so successful. Also, I love this. He helped the U.S. Um, bid for the 2028 Summer Olympics in L.A. But this is cool, too. He helped win the U.S., Mexico, Canada's United bid for the 2026 World Cup. And then when you take a look at how America's government has become more accountable to the American people, look at how he secured Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh's confirmation to the United States Supreme Court. He signed Department of Veterans Affairs Accountability and Whistleblower Protection Act, and he eliminated the penalty for Obamacare's individual mandate. And here's one that's really important to me. And I and I haven't even I haven't even scratched the surface, people. I'm trying to give you just the highlights. He ensured that the religious liberties, our religious liberties, are protected and respected by the federal government. He signed an executive order to protect free speech and religious liberties. And you know, someone once asked, and I think it was don't quote me on this, I'm pretty sure it was Tucker Carlson. I'm not positive, but they had asked him during the election presidential election, how it was that evangelicals could support Donald Trump. And his answer was something like, it's because we're not looking for a saint or a savior. We've got all that. We're looking for a bodyguard. And you know what? That's what he's been for us. He has been our individual bodyguards. He's been the country's bodyguard. And, you know, we accepted him when he was running and we voted for him because we knew who he was. We knew him. But we also knew or believed that he could do what he said he would. And he has, clearly. He's done it. And this list that I gave you represents only a small portion of what he's done in the last two years. But my goodness, even half of this list is a job well done. Our president put the American people first, and he made government more accountable to us. So let me ask you something. Are you tired of winning yet? We're going to win so much. We're going to win at every level. We're going to win economically. We're going to win with the economy. We're going to win with military. We're going to win with health care and for our veterans. We're going to win with every single facet. We're going to win so much, you may even get tired of winning. 
Uh, no. God bless him. We'll be right back with more of the Sean Hannity Show. Our phone number, 800-941-SEAN. I'd love to hear from you. 800-941-SEAN. We'll be back. Greg Jarrett joining us at the half hour. Hey, you know what never goes out of style? Surprising a friend, a loved one with a dazzling bouquet of 1-800-Flowers.com. And just think of how great you're going to make people you love feel with a surprise bouquet of vibrant blooms. Now, 1-800-Flowers are perfect for any occasion, anniversaries, birthdays, even making your friend or loved one's day just because, because, because. And right now, 1-800-Flowers has amazing deals on beautiful bouquets and arrangements starting at just $29.99. And every bouquet is absolutely stunning, unique, and beautiful. Now, gorgeous bouquets and arrangements, they start at $29.99. An amazing deal, but it won't last long. So pick your delivery date. 1-800-Flowers will handle the rest. Be the reason your friend, your loved one's day is brighter with stunning bouquets from our friends at 1-800-Flowers.com. Now, to order bouquets and arrangements starting at $29.99, go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. Order today and save at 1-800-Flowers.com slash Hannity. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Check me out on Twitter. It's at Rose underscore unplugged. And on Facebook, it's Rose Unplugged. And, oh, yeah, my website, roseunplugged.com. So that should be pretty easy. Coming up next is Greg Jarrett. My gosh, there's so much to talk to him about. You don't even know where to start sometimes. But the great thing about Greg Jarrett is he gets us there. He he explains it so well. Um, and, and there's so much to keep up with, yet he does it. Then next hour, Laura Trump. And then Katie Hopkins after that. So... Um, it should be a lot of fun. Let's take some call. Oh, gosh, there's a call from Pennsylvania. John wants to take a walk down Clinton Memory Lane. Hey, John, how's it going? And I think that I'm the one who's supposed to, to bring oh, him up. Hello? Okay, I'm sorry. Hello, can you hear me? Oh, okay. Hi, John. How you doing, babe? I'm doing very well, Rose. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. I'm going to pull over because, to be honest with you, I'm driving, but I want to give you my complete and undivided attention. I called your show one time in the past when it was the Quinn and Rose show, and you guys were looking for someone to cut down a tree live on Arbor Day. This was in 2009, and I'm the guy that did that. Well, thank you. You did a great job. That was a huge tree. That was a well, huge tree. I don't, it wasn't really all that big, to be honest with you, but, but I, I had made a, a couple of jokes, and you guys were enjoying my jokes, and, and, I, and I said, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is cut down a sycamore tree because I'm sick of more government. We need Oh, less. that's hilarious. And, Here and we go. That. And then I made a joke, and I said, and then I'm going to cut down five poison sumac trees to represent the five toxic branches of government at which point I kind of lost you because you thought, uh-oh, this guy's an idiot. He thinks there's five branches of government. And the joke was, in case you're wondering what the other two are, that would be the public school system and the mainstream, lamestream media. Okay, well, there you go. So that wasn't but, such a lame joke after all. Correct. So, and, and <laughs> the main, reason I'm, the main yeah. reason I'm calling today is I hear this talk about Donald Trump is horrible, he's foul, he should be impeached. Nothing that he's done is, is an impeachable offense or criminal, if I remi may remind the general public as a, I take this opportunity. I, I believe I'm correct on that. Right. And, you know, and it's so much, all they want is to impeach him. And then I've got something, too, later that I'll get to. But 
um, there, there, there's always something they can blame him for, they think. And some some Democrats are talking, and I don't even know what they're talking about, but they just want him out. They want him out because he's been such a great success. We're going to talk about a lot of what's going on in the Mueller investigation. Cohen, um, oh my gosh, we got to talk about General Flynn. So all of that is coming up next with Greg Jarrett, so don't go too far away. The phone number for the show is 800-941-SEAN. Love being with you guys. Stay with us. We'll be back with lots more. Hey, if you're one of 34 million Americans that smokes, you know what a hassle it can be. For me, I'm out playing golf and I come back smelling like cigars. It's the smell on your hands and your breath, your clothes. But now thanks to Juul, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Juul is a vaporizer. It does contain nicotine for a satisfying transition. Now, when I found Juul, it was a complete game changer in my life. I don't smoke any cigars any longer, and Juul was designed by smokers for smokers to be an alternative to whatever it is you're smoking. So if you're one of 34 million adults who do smoke cigars, cigarettes, pipe, whatever, well, there is an alternative to all of them. Now, to discover the smoking alternative, that's like nothing you've ever tried. Just visit com slash switchamerica. That's J-U-U-L dot com slash Switch America. Now, warning, this product does contain nicotine, and nicotine is addictive. Hi, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Sean's Twitter, by the way, is at Sean Hannity. And thanks so much, Sean, for allowing me to sit in for you today. I am really enjoying it. My name is Rose, and joining me right now is the author of the book, The Russian Hoax, The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. He's a legal analyst and contributor for Fox News Channel and Fox Business Network, and also a a former defense attorney. Please welcome to the show, Greg Jarrett. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? I'm well, Rose. Thanks uh, for having me on. Oh, it's so good to have you on. I, 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 oh, you're the go-to guy when we need help <laughs> figuring everything out. Okay, so, okay. but there's so much to figure out today. First of all, um, Judge Emmett Sullivan. Now, that's the same guy that discovered that um, Weissman and his bunch were withholding exculpatory evidence in the Ted Stevens case. Right? Isn't he the same one? It is. In fact, he's very uh, uh, wily and uh, wise to the uh, pitfalls of a prosecution case. He looks for, I think, uh, prosecutors who are hiding evidence and Mm. creating false testimony, which he found in that case. So it seems he's alerted uh, to the Michael Flynn case that the same thing may have occurred. Right. Uh, and so he ordered um, the special counsel to turn over any of the documents that or all of the documents, I should say, that are related to General Flynn. So but they had but he felt that he didn't receive what he had asked for. So then he said, OK, that's it. I need to have those. Now, from what I understand, um, the Mueller team has handed those over, but they were heavily redacted. That's right. Um, so we don't know whether the judge received an unredacted version, okay. but I suspect he received what we received, which was a redacted version. And it appears to me that uh, Mueller may not have handed over all of the 302s that were requested. The judge right. was very clear. He said, hand over to me, not to the other side, but to me, the judge, any and all 302s relative to the Michael Flynn case. Well, the 302 that the media received um, is dated August. Right. Uh, Where is the 302 uh, that's dated January and early February of uh, the interview of Michael Flynn? The August 302 is an interview 
of Peter Strzok recounting his interview of Michael Flynn seven months earlier. So I'm hoping that the judge is going to say, wait a minute, you only gave me one 302, and that's seven months after the fact. Where's the original? Yeah, you know, because that's exactly right. That wasn't the one that he had asked for, right? So what well, happened? Asked for any you... and all. So, okay. you know, they haven't given any and all. We know there's a 302 in January, February, right after the Flynn interview, because uh, Peter Strzok and his lover, uh, Lisa Page, mm. texted each other about it, and we have that text. You know, it's interesting because, I mean, so what happens? I mean, they don't, they can't destroy that information, can they? I mean, wh- I, I, well, they have to, they've got it. So it's got to be there somewhere, <laughs> right? Honest prosecutors uh, don't destroy that stuff. Dishonest prosecutors do. And again, you brought up the Ted Stevens case. Right. They had uh, either destroyed or hidden uh, exculpatory evidence and, in fact, invented false evidence to try to convict uh, Ted Stevens. This is what happens when, you know, you have prosecutors who only care about winning and don't care about honesty and justice. You know, in in the case of Ted Stevens, too, that was so sad because, you know, he lost an election as a result. He was I think he was found guilty on what, eight felonies. And then it was appealed because it was discovered. As you said, the evidence was held back. But he lost his career and he and he has since passed away. So, you know, it's just it's when you see this happen, it just it breaks your heart. And a lot of people feel that Flynn, of course, has been treated unfairly. And 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 one of the couple of things that we heard, you know, he's up. He's his is his sentencing still going to be tomorrow. It is. It's supposed to be. Now, the judge could always delay it and demand uh, a hearing and for prosecutors to all of them involved, maybe including Peter Strzok uh, and James Comey and others, uh, for what's known as a uh, show cause hearing as to why they should not be held in contempt. Uh, You know, are you guys hiding documents? You didn't give me all the documents I demanded. Uh, and I want a full accounting here, and everybody's going to show up. This is an Article Three judge, which means, you know, he's answerable to nobody. He's a judge, wow. federal judge for life, uh, and he has the authority to do that. And I, you know, I I hope he's as deeply concerned about the injustice uh, as I am. And, in fact, I wrote a column uh, that was published on Friday night. It was entitled, Michael Flynn is Innocent, Wrongly Prosecuted by Mueller to Hurt Trump. Uh, you yes. can find it on foxnews.com, and I believe Sean has it on his website as well. Right, he does. And so when we talk about how he was, how this went down with Flynn, a lot of people have been talking a lot late, right, recently about his right to counsel. He didn't know that he had that. Um, they they were saying this is entrapment. Um, th- and, and what you said, too, that this is, they weaponized, you know, they're just weaponizing this whole process. So... Um, was he discouraged from having an attorney? And how much of an abuse of the justice system was all of that? Oh, he was absolutely um, told he didn't need a lawyer. Uh, Andrew McCabe, on the day of the interview with Flynn by two FBI agents, telephoned Flynn of the White House, and he lied to him. He gave him a false reason for why they wanted to speak with him. Uh, They decided in advance, quote, the agents would not warn Flynn. It's a crime to lie during the interview, end of quote. That's in McCabe's memos. Mm. Um, And, you know, they they already had a transcript of the legal, very legal conversation 
that Flynn had had with the Russian ambassador, not, not unusual, not illegal, um, which also invites the question, why even do the interview? They didn't have a legal basis for questioning um, you know, the national security advisor. Their intent was to, I don't use the word entrapment because legally that's different, but they were trying to trap him into making a false statement. The irony, of course, is that the two FBI agents who did the interview walked out, uh, wrote down in a memo uh, that they, quote, had the impression at the time that Flynn was not lying. So um, if I'm Emmett Sullivan, I I might say on Tuesday, tomorrow, uh, why did you charge Flynn with the crime of lying when the only two witnesses who interviewed Flynn said he was not lying? Sounds like a fair uh, and, question. Yes, and he, the judge should also turn to Michael Flynn and say, why did you plead guilty to a crime you did not commit? Were you coerced? Did the feds threaten to prosecute your son? Were there financial reasons that caused you to plead? Because, you know, it's the role of the judge to, to see that a process is fair and honest and not unduly coerced to see that justice is done, not to see that convictions are had. Yeah. Um, so we'll wait and see what happens tomorrow, but it's an important day. Greg, what are they talking about today? Um, Michael Flynn's business partner, they say that he was illegally lobbying for Turkey. Um, and, and I guess I, I suppose they're trying to, um, I don't know, I, is this another issue now that we have to face or that F- Flynn has to face? Or is this, this is just so separate, isn't it? Well, part of um, the recitation of facts in the uh, sentencing memo was that that Flynn hadn't um, registered properly under FARA, uh, Foreign Agents Registration Act. Now, normally people are allowed to, you know, when they're caught having not properly registered, they're allowed to then register uh, retroactively. Uh, but Mueller really is the first prosecutor in a long time who's decided he's going to go after people for FARA violations. And it looks like uh, a couple of the business partners of Michael Flynn uh, failed to properly uh, uh, register. But, you know, once again, uh, Rose, it has nothing whatsoever to do right. with Donald Trump and Russia. Right. Right. Russia. That's right. Donald Trump, speaking of President Trump, um, he was talking over the weekend about how the media isn't paying any attention to the new revelations about Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and their tweets. Uh, or, I'm sorry, in their emails. And and supposedly those um, they can't find the, the text that they made between the between the two of them. Their iPhones were uh, that were issued to both of them, both Strzok and Page. Um, have been cleaned. And so there's nothing there. And Trump is a little upset about that. And right. uh, he said the media really never focused on it, which, of course, they did not. Oh, they didn't. And those um, those cell phones were in the custody of Robert Mueller right. and his special counsel. Uh, and they said they didn't have them for months and months and months. Suddenly they're discovered, and yet they're wiped clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it strikes me that uh, Robert Mueller and his team of partisans 
uh, have some questions to answer on that front. I mean, that's so suspicious. I mean, here you have these iPhones that were set back to the factory settings and and, and, and reconfigured for new people to use, I guess, um, whenever they're reissued. And uh, and this doesn't look suspicious to anyone? I, this is... Well, it looks suspicious to me. It looks to me like Robert <laughs> Mueller and Andrew Weissman and the whole gang took a page out of the Hillary Clinton playbook, <laughs> who, uh, you know, destroyed her devices, Yes, uh, destroyed emails, tens of thousands of emails, and cleaned her server uh, and, and devices with bleach bit. Bleach bit. So, I mean, there's too much of this destruction of evidence going on, and gee, I can't really? find uh, those documents, and then suddenly... Uh, uh, sanitized versions yes. appear. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, Comey, round two. Um, is he going to remember anything more now than he could a week ago? No, I imagine there will be hundreds of uh, uh, questions that he can't remember and doesn't know. 245 during his first, what, six and a half hour interview. Think of this the FBI uh, director. Answers, I don't remember, uh, I don't know, 245 times about critical matters. These mm. are not just uh, mm-hmm. ancillary, tangential matters. <laughs> These are principal matters. When it came to things like uh, the dossier and when he learned that Fusion GPS was involved and the Hillary Clinton campaign was involved and Glenn Simpson and all of the people who were trying to set up Donald Trump, frame him for things he didn't do, uh, Comey dummied up. So he is either the most incompetent FBI director in the history of the Bureau, or uh, he's lying. And, uh, take your pick. Or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, it could be. And But we also know today that uh, Department of Justice lawyers are telling him not to answer a lot of questions. Yeah. You know, um, the FBI and the Department of Justice are still at it. Yeah, they are. Uh, they are still obstructing Congress. They're still hiding and covering up their own wrongdoing. Um, and quite honestly, I blame Jeff Sessions for all of that. So does uh, Donald DOJ, Trump. <laughs> so does the Donald DOJ. Trump. Yeah, the DOJ has been leaderless, um, and largely uh, at the helm has been Rod Rosenstein, who signed off uh, illegally, in my judgment, on one of the FISA warrants, and has been doing everything he can to prevent Congress from finding out about this illicit scheme and all the wrongdoing by Rosenstein and Strzok and Comey and others. Well, thank you for bringing us up to date. Thanks for all the work that you do. Your book, The Russia Hoax, is a good book and should be read by all listening right now. The Illicit Scheme to Clear Hillary Clinton and Frame Donald Trump. Okay, it'll be interesting to see how things play out. The rest of the week, Greg Jarrett, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Always great talking to you, Rose. I know. Same here, Greg. I appreciate you. All right. So listen, you're listening to the Sean Hannity Show, and uh, his Twitter is at Sean Hannity. The call to call in number is 1-800-941-SEAN. My name is Rose. Check me out on Twitter at Rose underscore Unplugged, Facebook and website Rose Unplugged. All right, we'll be back with lots more of the Sean Hannity Show coming up, and we'll take your phone calls and lots more to talk about. So stick around. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. We're, we're going to take your calls at 1-800-941-SEAN. 
You can check Sean out on Twitter. It's at Sean Hannity. I'm at Rose underscore unplugged. Joining me next hour, Laura Trump. And then after that, Katie Hopkins. Some really good stuff coming up. We'll take a quick call from Joanna. Joanna, what's up? It just makes me so angry because we know there was text and, and different information on Paige and Strzok's phone. Now they're wiped clean. And right. why isn't someone stepping up and doing something? I mean, it's outrageous. Well, you know, Joanne, let me say this because I only have a little bit of time, but you are, I understand your frustration and, and, and it's wrong. And why are we allowing them to get away with this? But think about this. Had Trump not taken office, the swamp wouldn't have been as fully exposed as it has been. And we've got great people like Greg Jarrett writing about it, Andrew McCarthy, who are really, you know, on top of it. Thank God. And our representatives, too. There are a lot of them on the Hill that have had to do so much work. I mean, this is a lot to follow through on. But I think they're doing a good job of it. I don't know how it's all going to play out in the end. But this, I'll tell you, if it weren't for Trump, none of this kind of stuff would be exposed. So thank God for that anyway. But yeah, it's like it's very frustrating to watch. Very disappointing. It really is. Hey, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. You can check Sean out on Twitter. It's at Sean Hannity. My Twitter is at Rose underscore unplugged. And also you can check me out on Facebook. It's Rose Unplugged. And I have a lot of my interviews and podcasts at roseunplugged.com. The show number today, 800-941-SEAN, same as every day. 1-800-941-SEAN. I am taking calls at the half hour Laura Trump is joining us. We're going to talk about Melania. We're going to talk about how they vote shame women if they don't vote for Hillary. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. She's a lovely lady. I really enjoyed working with her husband uh, during the uh, 2016 presidential election and looking forward to having her on the show today. Um, also, uh, let's go to let's finish up on the whole judicial system and, and, and do that with Linda calling from Utah. Hey, Linda, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, thank you. You wanted to well, talk the about our... Ju- I'm calling. Okay. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Um, the reason I'm calling is because I've listened to Sean and to all of these speakers for a long time, but I'm frustrated. I'm a 71-year-old, born and raised American citizen, who sees this country going down the tube, and I've watched this two-tiered justice system for a long time, seeing the Democrats and the extra ultra-wealthy be able to get away with things that you and I would never be able to get away right, with. Right. But now it feels like it's worse than ever, and we now have a three-tiered justice system. That's one for the wealthy and the rich, the famous, and the Democrats and the left, and then one for the illegals, and then a system for all the rest of us who have to live by the law, and none of them have to. When are we going to see something change? When are these people in the justice system themselves who have broken the law, when are they going to pay a price? Well, you uh, thank you, Linda, by the way, for your phone call. And you would hope that we would see this the justice being done in the justice system. And I was reading something earlier in town hall it was Kurt um, Schlichter and or Schlichter. I think it's how you say it, Kurt Schlichter. I like this guy. I always I follow him on Twitter as well. But he was he wrote that pardon everybody except the rat Cohen, which I actually agree with. But one of the things he said about the the justice system, he said, let's stop pretending that America in 2018 has a justice system. It's not a justice system. It's a set of elite institutions that swing the law like a sledgehammer 
to crush threats to the ruling class's monopoly on power. And, you know, that's exactly what's happening right now. And it, it is it's it is difficult to watch, but it, it's become so corrupt. And I'll, and I'll say again, Linda, you know, would we have known just how corrupt it's become and how miry and deep the swamp that is Washington, D.C., had it not been for Donald Trump? So in, in many ways, it's I, I'm sure Trump doesn't feel this way, but it's been a blessing for us to have all of this exposed. And I feel bad. In fact, I'll take real quick um, Susan, who's calling from Roanoke, Virginia. I feel bad for people like Flynn. So I agree with Kurt. He said, you know, pardon them all except for the rat Cohen. I'm right there with him. Uh, Susan, go ahead. Yeah. Hi. Thank you for taking my hi. call. I think we should have a rally uh, tomorrow to support uh, Michael Flynn, if we're having rallies for everything else that's un-American, uh, how much more American is this that we're support- supporting one of our generals? I mean, he did a lifetime of service, and, you know, let's America back him up. Well, you know, and there are a lot of people all over are rallying for Flynn, and he is very well liked by so many. I ran into him a couple of months ago with a few other people. We all had dinner together, and his wife was there, and lovely lady. I like her very much. But he's, I, I personally like Flynn. I, I just, I like him. I really do. I know his son. I like his son. But I, I think people have been rallying for Flynn, and uh, I think I'm very hopeful that. Um, He's going to get through this all right. I really am, Susan. Thanks for your call. You know, did you guys hear this one? Stand by, Greg. Um, th- this is after after 20 years, Elizabeth Warren is coming clean, okay? She was speaking to the graduates at Morgan State University, and this is what she had to say to them. I'm not a person of color, and I haven't lived your life or experienced anything like the subtle prejudice or more overt harm that you may have experienced just because of the color of your skin. Okay, so she's not a person of color. Now, this is 20 years after the Fordham Law Review billed Warren as Harvard Law School's first woman of color, based on what information she gave them. So you'd think she'd avoid the subject, right? I mean, especially after the DNA fiasco. Remember how she ticked off her party with her timing right before the midterm? election they were so frustrated and angry with her and and it was a fiasco it really was and then this on friday alexandria ocasio-cortez lashed out at senator lindsey graham on twitter she suggested that he reversed his stance on the standards that are necessary to impeach a president she tweeted a daily beast story that quoted graham as saying that he was fine with president trump lying about sex. And then she added, didn't he impeach Bill Clinton over the same thing? And um, and then she also wrote, Senator Graham himself established a standard that demands Trump's impeachment. Okay, here's the problem with that. He voted against the article of impeachment. Additionally, I guess now would be a really good time to remind her that Clinton was impeached after being accused of lying under oath to a federal grand jury and obstructing justice. And, and, and you, listen, when you hear these people say these things, you've you got to ask yourself, how many misstatements, how many factual inaccuracies, that's a nice word for something else, must we correct before they're finally embarrassed? I mean, in this case, I'm embarrassed for her. And the left is never embarrassed. They seem like they have no shame. 
And I think it's because they think that a lot of their constituents are stupid. I mean, it's got to be that, right? And, and, and I'll tell you something. They've got an entire educational system that's helping to make sure that they stay stupid. And since we're on the subject of stupid, there was a poll that was done that found 27% of the people were dissatisfied with Santa's gender. It's true. They think Santa should be female or even better, better than that, gender neutral. Yep. And this comes out of CBS Pittsburgh. They reported that a Graphic Springs logo design company surveyed hundreds to rebrand Santa and give him a more, I don't know, more modern look, I guess, right? Why in the heck would we want to rebrand Santa? Santa or St. Nick has been around for hundreds of years, and now suddenly we need to rebrand Santa? So apparently, according to this story, the survey questioned around 400 people from the United States and the United Kingdom. And then, then after they surveyed them and questioned them, they had another survey for 4,000 people and asked them to vote on the most popular version of the Santa that they designed from the survey. And I give you the modern Santa. He has tattoos, a trimmed beard, it's very stylish, skinny jeans, sneakers, a hoverboard. Who the hell, do, do people still use those? And a hoverboard. Yeah. And he's tech savvy and looks like he could really just be on the cover of any GQ magazine. Yeah. That's what that's what they came up with after that survey found that 27% of people that were asked would rebrand rebrand Santa Claus as a woman or gender neutral. If you ask me, the really PC Santa would be a social justice warrior. I mean, if we really want to get PC about it, social justice warrior. He comes down your chimney, takes your presents, and gives them to someone who deserves them a lot more than you do. They didn't ask that question, did they? You're listening to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. You can call the show at 1-800-941-SEAN. Check me out on Twitter. It's at Rose underscore Unplugged. My Facebook and my website are Rose Unplugged. And coming up this hour, Laura Trump. And I'll take your phone calls as well. So thanks for joining me. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey, we're back. It's the Sean Hannity Show. You can call the show. It's 800-941-SEAN. That's 800-941-SEAN. And Sean's Twitter is at Sean Hannity. Mine is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And you can check me out also on the web at RoseUnplugged.com and Facebook, Rose Unplugged. We can take a couple of your phone calls coming up at the half hour. Lara Trump. Okay, how about Alan from North Carolina? How are you today, Alan? Hello, Rose. How are you? Good. I'm doing good, too. I'm driving through Illinois right now, but I was listening to your show and Thought I'd call and uh, try to remind some people that, that, you know, Trump is not just fighting the Democrats. Remember, he's fighting the Republicans, too. There's a lot of Republicans strutting around out there like peacocks thinking they got something done. They've got nothing done. If it wasn't for Donald Trump, we would still be where we were with, with Republicans up there getting nothing done, fighting nobody, doing nothing. Donald Trump, we ought to have a third party in this country. It should be like the Democrats, the Republicans, and the deplorables, because if they offered it, I'd be a registered deplorable tomorrow. <laughs> That's hilarious. But you know what? I mean, it is the truth, isn't it, Alan? I mean, this guy, he who would have thought 
that he would be up against so much, even from his own party, as you mentioned, and he has been, and he's held his own, God bless him, and I got to tell you, out of all of the candidates, all of those people running for this office on the GOP side, I don't think any of them could have withstood the amount of criticism, the corruption, the attempts to just bring him down like he has. Honestly, I don't think anyone else could have done that and could have withstood it. I I think that it took a certain kind of person. And I think because of the person he is, now we're having this, you know, real close up look at the swamp. And my God, it's ugly there. It's murky. It's it's gross. And, And if it hadn't been Trump, I'm not sure we would have seen it. And he's standing his own despite everything that's been thrown at him, despite a media that hates him. And as you said, some in his own party who refuse to support him. There are couple that will not be back. And I say, see ya. Good riddance. Because this is just, honestly, it's been so, for two years, he's withstood it. And in those two years, as I mentioned in the beginning, in those two years, at the beginning of the show, we went through all of his accomplishments, you know, and, and, and it's astounding to me that he just, just didn't back down. He really didn't. And I think 289 accomplishments and in 18 different categories, And he had major wins, even some smaller victories, but they were all victories. They were all good. So, Alan, yeah, I mean, I I mean, I agree with you. I mean, he's holding his own. And there are a bunch of Republicans that just aren't there for him and haven't been. I hope things change um, as we go into his third year of this first term. But thanks, Alan, for your phone call. I appreciate it. Also, um, Catherine, California. How are you, Catherine? Hi, Rose. Thanks for taking my call. One of the things that just really upsets me, irritates me, is that the fact that these people on TV, I mean, on every channel, they have legal advisors that are outright lying to people. I mean, they're outright lying. And you hear Dershowitz, who's, who's a Democrat, and then you hear these people, and I don't actively uh, turn on the TV and watch them, but I hear quotes from them on, on, other, on other radio stations. And I, it's like they're ready to... They should go pick up Trump now and put him in jail for treason. I mean, they actually are stating things that are unfactual, and people believe it. And then I, you know, I and everyone else that actually do research and know the, know the facts have to deal with these people, especially in California. I mean, it's unbelievable, you know, what you oh, have to do here. What part of California? San Diego. Oh, Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, and then Dershowitz, I have so much respect for Democrats like Dershowitz who just are being honest. They're, they're not trying to, they don't have an agenda. They're, there's no narrative that they need to stick to. And they're just exactly. being honest. And I think so many pe- people appreciate that. And honestly, that's all that all of us ever want. Look, you know, when when Republicans are doing something wrong, actually, actually, it's those of us on the right who are willing to point out the, the, the wrongness of someone, the right. And we, but the Democrats, man, they stand by each and every one of, of their um, uh, associates. They don't, they don't throw them under the bus ever but even even when they legitimately could expose something they won't but you don't but really Rose, see that on the right legally get away with it that's what i don't understand i was hoping that uh, greg jarrett was still on because i wanted to ask them how can they legally lie over and over again i mean it's not, they're not just editorializing you know their opinion or speaking from something that they've heard or read they actually lie i mean you know you know what i'm saying and yeah. it 
these are these are uh, these are attorneys. So they're they're the legal advisors for these channels, and that I don't get. I really. And, and I think, Catherine, um, the just the corruption, it just is it goes so deep and it's it's um, it's bleak. And I and I think that what you're sharing right now, the the feeling that you have right now uh, as, as where is the justice here? I think it's shared by so many in this country. I think a lot of people feel the same way. They really do. Um, thanks for your call, Catherine. I appreciate it. You are listening to The Sean Hannity Show. And the phone number here is 800-941-SEAN, 800-941-SEAN. Joining me next is Laura Trump. I can't wait to talk to her. I, I really want to talk about FLOTUS. I love I love our First Lady. I really do. And a couple of other things, too, just vote-shaming women because they supported Trump. You know, what happened to feminism? What happened to encouraging women to stand their ground and do their thing? You know, what a fail if that's something we're not permitted to do now again suddenly. So she'll be joining us. Check me out on Twitter. It's at Rose underscore Unplugged. Hannity's is at Hannity. Oh, I'm sorry. At Sean Hannity. And again, a special thanks to Linda, Ethan and Greg for all that they're doing today. I appreciate it. And thanks to Sean, of course, for allowing me to do the show. touch with the Hannity faithful. Join the message board at Hannity.com. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity show. My name is Rose. You can call in. We'll take calls in a little while. It's 800-941-SEAN, 800-941-SEAN. Joining me today, and I'm really excited about this, is the senior advisor for President Donald Trump's 2020 re-election campaign, as well as the wife of Eric Trump. Please welcome Laura Trump. How are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me, Rose. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. You know, I had the honor of meeting and working with your husband quite often during the uh, last presidential campaign and set up an office actually for um, President Trump in our area. And I just uh, really enjoyed Eric. He's he's amazing to me. He remembers people's names. He remembers little <laughs> tidbits of information about them. I thought, he's God, he's a he, good one, isn't he? he? Yeah, you did all right, girl. <laughs> Not yeah, bad. I agree. I agree. He's the best. And honestly, that that's actually a characteristic of, of everyone in the Trump family that I've ever met. Um, too many people surprised. So I'm very lucky to have married into this great family. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, that was one of the things I was struck by uh, when I first met President Trump. As a matter of fact, he was here in Pittsburgh with Sean Hannity, and they put together this um, town hall. And there were thousands of people in the audience, and I was on stage with them, and Sean was introducing me, and we were talking about the Pennsylvania primaries, which is so convoluted. But anyway, we were discussing that. And um, now President Trump was completely focused, even though there were thousands of people all around us. As I was explaining the process to him, he he had his eyes on my eyes and he was responding and asking questions. And I thought, good God, that I, you know, because in this business, you meet a lot of people who are worried about who might be coming up to talk to them next or who else is in the crowd. That wasn't Donald Trump at all. No, and actually, I, I tell a story all the time about the first time that I ever met my father-in-law, 
of course, my husband didn't prepare me, did not tell me when I met him that we were headed to meet him. Um, so maybe that was for the best. But um, but then when I walked in the room and realized who was there, obviously it's it's intimidating meeting your possible future in-law anytime. Right. My last name is Trump. It's, it's a little more intimidating. But the second that I started talking to him, um, you know, he looks you in the eye, he's focused on you, wanted to hear about me, and was so engaging and so charming yes. and so personable that I was so relieved and really put at ease by him from day one. So I knew that this was a man who had the greatest character and a good heart from, from back then, and that's why I got out in 2016 and fought so hard for him then on the campaign trail and, and remain with him now at the campaign. Um, and, and I'm so blessed to do it and so honored to do it, really. Oh, I'll bet you are. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people would not believe what we just said about President Trump unless they've met him. And, and the ones who have met him uh, will tell the same type of story. So what is the what are you guys doing? What are you doing right now um, as you gear up for the 2020 reelection campaign? Well, I know it seems like a long way away. It's two years away, but really things kind of get off the ground about a year from now. Uh, so we're just getting our ducks in a row. You know, we're we're looking to figure out who we're going to hire in each state, who are going to be our state directors, lining up the great people that we had in 2016. We want to, want to get a lot of them back. Obviously, we were incredibly right. successful. Um, I always say, though, that I think the best campaigner is the president himself. We, I feel, yes. have to do so little because the president is doing such a good job that he is the one out there advertising for himself. He's his own best commercial yep. because – Every day, people are seeing the results from this man. And, and, you know, we have the signs at the rally, promises made, promises kept. That's but right. it's the reality. This is a man who, you know, as a politician, has shown that you can, as a politician, keep your promises because he does it every single day. He's delivering for the American people. And now, not only is he running on campaign promises, he's going to be running on results in 2020. So, you know, we're, we're really focused on fundraising, on streamlining everything, on, on getting all of our ducks in a row leading up to 2020. Um, and we feel really good as a campaign. You know, Rose, the first time we did this, we really did not know what we were doing. I mean, we were very grassroots. We were all very green when it came to anything political because none of us had ever had any experience in it. And I think 2016 was a great, great learning experience. Um, and, and we certainly did learn a lot then. So we're, we're just getting everything lined up so that we're ready to go. And um, I wish I knew who the Democrats were running because that would make things even more interesting for us. Sounds like days. a whole bunch of Democrats they're running. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So but it's it's uh it's something that we're taking very seriously and, and I know that I speak for so many in this country when I say we are definitely keeping Donald Trump in office for eight years. We better. Listen, when we started, I started the show today talking about his accomplishments. You mentioned promises made, promises kept. And, you know, the administration itself has said that there are at least 289 accomplishments in, in 18 different categories since he took office. And I spent some time uh, in the beginning of this show going over that. And, and I think that is a great platform now. That's a good springboard, actually, to go into the 2020. But, you know, Laura, there's a there's a war on women and the left is waging it. I mean, there are vote shaming women who f support Trump. Did you ever think you'd see the day? I mean, we're supposed to be independent thinkers now and we can decide and make our own decisions unless 
unless those decisions don't line up with where the left want us to be and who they want us to vote for. And and then suddenly we listened to our husbands, our brothers, our sons. And I had to laugh because, I mean, come on, guys out there. Most guys out there will admit that we don't listen. We just don't as much as we try. <laughs> and we would love to in our hearts. We just don't. We do our own thing. I mean, that's just where we and that's the truth. And the guys know that and the ladies know that. But if this movement, the feminist movement, was designed by women for women to create this perfect society where we're all taken seriously, then there was then there's been a fail. They didn't it hasn't worked because some of us aren't doing it right, Laura. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine a woman voting for a Republican? Mm, and Donald we? Trump no less. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? That was the funniest thing to me in 2016. And every time that I did an interview, people would always ask me about that. Well, there's no way women are going to vote for this man. And I would say, "Listen, I go all across the country and the number of women that come out to Trump rallies to hear me and the women that traveled the country with me uh, and and are so excited to vote for Donald Trump, the number of women who were former Democrats who maybe have never voted in their life that I knew were going to vote for him in 2016. It's amazing. And, And, you know, to your point, it's pretty incredible that we're supposed to have the freedom to choose and do whatever we want and vote whatever way we feel in our hearts we should. And yet, Unless it's a vote for a Democrat, apparently it's wrong. Right. Uh, it's so ridiculous. And, and I think a lot of, of what's happening is setting women back. And it's really scary stuff. Um, but I, I really think that, and I, I say it all the time, but I, I know it's true. When women get in a voting booth, no one is looking. And they are the only ones that know That's who right. they're uh, ca- casting a vote for. And, and I knew it would happen in 2016. I knew it was going to happen in the midterms. And I know it's going to happen in 2020. You know, the reality is women in this country want to know that that they have a better shot at everything. And if you look at the opportunities presented to women in this country since Donald Trump has been in office, they're undeniable. Women's unemployment is the lowest it's been in decades. And I know we'll get to the lowest in all time like we have with all the other categories of unemployment. The the reality is this is a man who his entire life, my father-in-law, doesn't care about your gender, doesn't care about your race. He wants the perfect person for the job in there. That's why there are so many women in his administration. That's why you see Sarah Sanders doing such an incredible job She's out amazing. there on his behalf every day. Yes. That's why Kellyanne was the first successful campaign manager that was a woman. You know, it, it's, it's really amazing, though, to hear the other side and the way they try and spin things. But I always say women are smart and women are strong, and they're going to go in the voting booth, and they're going to do what they know is right, and that's a for Donald Trump. And for the feminists to suggest that after all these years, you know, the feminists want to maintain that women still can't think for themselves. I mean, that talk about a major cultural bust. I mean, there you go. I mean, there goes all their hard work. Now they're still claiming we can't think for ourselves. It's amazing. By the way, you mentioned the female unemployment. It's the lowest it's been since 1953. Laura, that's amazing. It Incredible. really is. It's incredible. And and we give so much credit to the president for, for all of that. Um, although no one will give him credit. No, I will give him don't. credit for it right now. Yes. <laughs> you know, can I ask you something? Is he aware? Because I have people ask me this all the time. Do you think that President Trump is aware of, you know, how um, so many of his supporters are treated and how they still are determined to remain his supporters and defend him? And, and I, I thought I'm certain that he is. And I, I am certain that he appreciates it as well. Oh, he appreciates it so, so much. 
this president loves nothing more than the people of this country. And believe me, his life would be a lot easier, Rose, had he never decided to run for oh, president. Bet. But he did it because he loves this country and he loves the people of this country. And he wanted everybody to have the same opportunity he did at the American Dream, because that's really what this country is about. And he saw that that was being stripped away from us. He loves the people that support him. Truly, he's so appreciative of them. I do think it's hard for him sometimes, though, because, listen, he is walled off in the White House, and, and he sees what we all see happening out there with the media, with the Democrats, with Hollywood, constantly the barrage of attacks against him. And, and I know that, that every time I see him, he checks in with me. How do you think we're doing? How does it feel out there? And, and I tell him, listen, the people that voted for you in 2016 are so happy they voted for you. They're so proud of you. They're going to vote for you again. And so many people who I don't even think voted for him in 2016 are going to vote for him in 2020 because, again, they see the results and they see how right. much better their lives are becoming thanks to this president. So we talked about women. I'd love to talk about my favorite right now, and that's Flotus. Melania is, you know what, Laura? I met her. I was behind the ropes because uh, the, I was doing interviews after one of the debates. I can't, I don't even remember what city I was in, but I had an opportunity to speak to her briefly. She was so gracious and so kind, but I got to tell you, when I first saw her, when I went to approach her, I felt like I couldn't breathe. You know, the, the, um, the saying that breathtakingly beautiful my yes. god that woman is beautiful and so gracious so gracious she's amazing she's amazing she she is the epitome of a first lady and she's doing such a great job and you know it's a shame that that she is treated the way that she is yes. first of all melania is incredibly smart she speaks many languages five i she, heard she she's she's so elegant and she's so poised and classy and, and takes this responsibility very seriously. The fact that she's not on the cover of magazines across the country is appalling, but it's it's so evident why because her last name is Trump, um, and it's it's really unfortunate. I, I give her so much credit. She withstands a great deal and she does everything with grace and and she is beautiful and she's talented and she's kind and and she. All those wonderful things that you would think she is. Um, I'm so proud of her. I think she's doing a great job. The White House decorations, by the way, for Christmas yes. are incredible, despite yes. what you may have heard. I know. It, it, it's, she did such a great job there, too. You know, so, and you know, um, Laura, when they criticize that, they're criticizing the hundreds of volunteers that are chosen right. every year. It doesn't matter if they're Democrats or Republicans. And they're chosen every year to come and help decorate. And, um, uh, and some designers help with the design. So you're criticizing all of those people. You're not just criticizing yeah. the first lady. And I just think it's so unbelievable. They have been stunning and elegant in every way, both years. And I just, I feel for her. I really do. I'm sorry that she yeah. has to go through that. No, she, she, but listen, she's a very strong woman and, and she keeps her head up and nothing's going to affect her. And despite all that, that, you know, gets thrown her way, I think she's handling herself very well. And again, I'm, I'm so, so proud of her. She's doing a great job. Yeah, I agree. She's a doll. Listen, Laura Trump, senior advisor for President Donald Trump's 2020 re-election campaign um, and wife of Eric. Will you say hi to Eric for me, please? I will. Absolutely. <laughs> and the website is DonaldJTrump.com and her Twitter is at Laura Lee, L-E-A Trump. Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Rose. It was a pleasure. Take care.
We'll be back with more of the Sean Hannity Show after this and your phone calls, 800-941-SEAN. Check me out on Twitter. It's at Rose underscore Unplugged. And Laura's is at Laura Lee Trump. We'll be back. Okay, welcome back to the show. It is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Thanks to Sean for allowing me to join the show today. I really appreciate it. My goodness, I really like Laura Trump, and I really did get an opportunity to work with Eric um, quite often during the 2016 campaign, and I, I enjoyed that very much. And I told them they were going to win Pennsylvania. He'd ask me, and I'd say, you have it in the bag. And I wasn't just trying to put a positive spin on anything because, and I'll tell you how I knew. I had callers calling my show and not wanting to give their name because they were lifelong Democrats in the city and they were afraid they'd get found out. But there were so many Democrats and that were voting for Donald Trump uh, during the 2016 election. And I, I could tell, and this sounds anecdotal, but listen, I believe you can tell the signs, the number, I took the same route into work that I've been taking for the last 20 years. And the number of Trump signs, some of them handwritten and placed in the uh, taped through their windows. I mean, come on. I just knew. So I wasn't trying to put a good spin or a positive spin on it. I knew that he was going to win this state. I just knew it. I could tell. And we did carry it here in southwestern Pennsylvania for Donald Trump. So listen, don't forget, we still have, gosh, another hour and next hour, Katie Hopkins is joining me. She's going to give us an update. She was recently in Rome. Interesting story there, she'll tell you. And a couple of other things. And your phone calls at 1-800-941-SEAN. 1-800-941-SEAN. I love hearing from you. And I've got some calls up on the screen. I'll get to you, I promise, as soon as we come back from this break. So don't go too far away. There's still lots more to talk about. Hey, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. And listen, you can check him out on Twitter. It's at Sean Hannity. Mine is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And my website is roseunplugged.com. And Facebook is Rose Unplugged. So that should make it pretty easy for you. Coming up later this hour, Katie Hopkins. Lots to talk about. She was recently in Rome. Salvini, I talked to, um, I was in New York a couple of days ago. I saw a couple of friends of mine from Italy. And they really like Salvini. And they actually, they see him as um, their version of Trump in Italy. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Macron. We're going to talk about what's going on in Paris right now. I don't think you want to miss that interview. It will be good. So you can also call the show. Eight four, it's 800-941-SEAN. 1-800-941-SEAN. Before I take some of the phone calls, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the media and a lot of the Democrats exploited, and I don't know, they were misleading us um, when they discussed the death of that seven-year-old migrant girl. It was so heartbreaking to hear her story as it was. You know, you just wanted, to, your heart just broke for her. Um, she was transported, uh, she and her dad were looking for asylum in the United States. Um, a couple, there was one news outlet, someone actually or tweeted that uh, she died in a holding facility, which was not true at all. She had she had been sick on the bus ride. The father said she wasn't ill before this. Um, they had to revive her twice, I believe. She was lifelighted to Providence Children's Hospital in El Paso, where they revived her there from cardiac arrest. Um, the, she, in the end, she didn't recover and she died at the hospital 24 hours after being transported. Um, she didn't die in a holding facility. Uh, it wasn't Trump's fault. It wasn't the Border Patrol's fault. But yet, 
much of the media would have you know or believe that it was their fault. What I appreciated, and I usually do appreciate him, is uh, yesterday on CBS's Face the Nation, our White House senior policy advisor, Stephen Miller, did weigh, weigh in on who was to blame for that child's death. Take a listen to what a he had to say. break for the tragic death of the seven-year-old girl, the loss of that precious life, is horrifying. It is a painful reminder of the ongoing humanitarian tragedy that is illegal immigration and the misery that it spreads. A coyote dropped off 163 migrants in an extremely remote section of New Mexico. Uh, those individuals were found by Border Patrol, who many cases act as first responders. In fact, Border Patrol saves about 4,000 lives every single year. Unfortunately, hundreds die on the dangerous trek up. Smuggling organizations profit off death and misery. They are vicious, vile organizations. And it's time that both parties had the appropriate level of outrage over the fact that these organizations continue to take advantage. equipped to deal with the record number of families coming across. Why aren't they? One of the great tragedies that is going on in our country today is the loopholes in our immigration laws and the deficiencies in our immigration laws and left-wing activist judicial rulings that incentivize the most vulnerable populations to come to our country. Last year, and the administration hasn't been able to deter them year, from making that trip. Last year, 100,000 unaccompanied alien children or children traveling with adults showed up at our southern border. Mm -hmm. President Trump took dramatic action, issued an executive order directing illegal traffic to the ports of entry. But a left-wing activist judge issued a reckless nationwide injunction on the president's order, putting thousands of lives at risk and further enriching these grotesque, and a, a record number continue to cross. Oh, I think he does a fabulous job. And, you know, I want to tell you something. Um, there was a story in Breitbart about the Border Patrol agents and how they carried out more than 4,300 rescues of illegal immigrants along um, or near the border. Um, that was just in the year fiscal year 2018. And that's up more than 3,400 the prior year. So they actually carry out this year alone 4,300 rescues. So and, and a lot of times um, the migrants are in life threatening situations. Um, and, and that actually was an increase of more than 26 percent over last year's rescues. So, um, you know, to blame the Border Patrol, to blame Trump, I mean, particularly in, in this situation uh, is just an outrage. And I thought that he handled that really well. Um, we can take a call from Alan in Texas. How are you, Alan? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Hey, so there's uh, what's going on with the kids and the adults. If you cross the border with a child in tow, you're cut loose by uh, Border Patrol on the ice. It doesn't matter how many times you've been deported. It doesn't matter if you've committed crimes in the United States. Um, it doesn't matter if it's your first time. Everybody's treated the same. They process them, and they let them go. And that's, that's all across the southern border. That's why ICE and the Border Patrol are overwhelmed, because the word is out that Cross the border with a kid, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah. You know, and you're right, they are overwhelmed. I've talked to several of them, of course, you know, over the course, particularly over the last month or so. And um, they are, they're overworked, they're overwhelmed. They, they don't, ha and that's why, you know, when we talk about um, security and building a wall, look, we have over 300 points of entry. 
do it that way. Do it. No one is saying we don't want people migrating to the United States, although if you were to listen to the media, that's what they would have you believe, that we don't want that. That's not true at all. We have 300 points of entry, ports of entry. Let's do it the legal way. Let's make sure that everyone, and then when you're doing it the right way, when there is order, then you can prevent something, you know, hopefully like what happened to this poor seven-year-old girl. But that's why you have that's and and when we talk about uh, putting up a security wall on our border, I mean that is so important. And then one of the things I learned, and I learned this from Linda, uh, is that just how much of a war has been waged on our children. So when we talk about security, it's not just to keep it's not keeping people out because we don't like people if they don't look like us. No. It's, it's to do things in an orderly and very safe way, but it's also to protect our children. Right now, the um, opioid epidemic and fentanyl, which is coming through this country, it's coming from Mexico, coming indirectly from China. Now that there's been more restrictions on, you know, these young people are, are, are ordering on the dark web. They're ordering their fentanyl from China. Now, they're, since uh, a couple of months ago, that's been somewhat restricted, and we need to even keep a closer eye on that. And I know that President um, has been working on that with China. But my point is, and I learned this from Linda, that there is a war that's been waged on our children. Their life expectancy is lower than ours was. This is not a good situation. And when we want, we want our borders secure, it's for a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. But as, as uh, Miller just said, you know, one of the things, you can't blame Trump. You can't blame the Border Patrol because here we have, you know, things being done in a disorderly way. And shame on those people that encourage these migrants to come forward and to prom- make promises to them that can't be kept. It's just really such a shame. But anyway, thanks, Alan. Thank you for your phone call. I appreciate it. Have a good day. All right. Um, uh, let's go to Mark. This is an interesting phone call. Mark, how are you? Doing well. I just wanted to tell you a little Christmas story. Okay. Love Christmas stories. Good. Well, it's one of the old, old stories of Santa Claus in that he heard of a family where the father was poor and being pressured to sell his daughters into prostitution. So our hero, Santa Claus, went out, got money, he traded in the church's silver, and he gave the money to the family, but they didn't know it came from him. So he saved these daughters from prostitution by giving from the church. Is that right? Is that right, yeah, Linda? Yeah, you just, you know, I didn't know that story. Um, I did not know that at all. That's an interesting perspective. I love Santa Claus. Now, the Easter Bunny, I remember when my son was young and I'd say, you know, we had the whole story for Santa Claus. We know where he lived. He had elves that helped him. He didn't do it all by himself. He had a Mrs. Claus, right? Now, you know, then comes Easter, right? Months after that. And you got to tell your kid what? That there's a six-foot bunny that hops around and leaves a basket? I'm like, I asked him, if I told you there's a six-foot bunny that hops around and leaves a basket, are you buying it? And he said, no. And I'm like, okay, good. Because there's no other backstory. There's no backstory. I had nothing else to give him. Nothing. But with Santa Claus, there's a whole story. There's a whole story. But anyway, that's interesting, Mark. Linda just sent me that. The, um, the story, and I'm going to take a look at that. Christmas is weird. The strange connection between Santa and prosti- prostitution. Well, thank you for that. And, and I don't know. Let me ask you this, Mark. Do we need to change Santa's image? Not or does exactly. he have a pretty good one speaking, already? 
well, this is speaking from a man's point of view who has a beard and a big belly. So I think we're pretty good with the image. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Thank you for your phone call, Mark. I appreciate it. As I was saying before, we'll, we'll take a break here soon. As I was saying before, um, coming up later this hour is Katie Hopkins. We're going to talk about a lot of what's going on all over the, the world. My goodness. Um, you're listening to The Sean Hannity Show. The phone number is 800-941-SEAN. I'll take a few more phone calls. And uh, my Twitter is at Rose underscore Unplugged. Sean's is at Sean Hannity. And check me out at RoseUnplugged.com or on Facebook, Rose Unplugged. We'll be back with more of the Sean Hannity Show right after this. Welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose. Uh, Sean's Twitter is at Sean Hannity. Mine is at Rose underscore Unplugged. Love hearing from all of you, your great and gracious audience. Oh, I got a lot of emails already. Um, through the website and they're asking for that list of accomplishments i will send a link out to the washington from the washington examiner and i will write up i'll give you some of the details i talked about i'll get that ready i'll have it in a day or so anyway um let's go to vince in jersey city new jersey how are you vince hey italian rose what's up that's right yeah, there you go. Yeah, I just okay. want to say a, a few quick, quick things. Number one, Trump had the wall. He had the $25 billion for the 600,000 DACA people. He wanted $2 million. That blew that deal. Another thing, he can get that money from the military. He gave Mattis $750 billion. If Mattis can't give him 25, they don't consider these ca- caravan security. Nothing is. Yeah. Obamacare should have been repealed, like Rand Paul said from day one. By leaving it there without the mandate, it became more popular. These freeloaders can grab it when they didn't need it. They didn't have to pay anything, and they just now they could just sign up when they get sick. It's all free now. Number three, this crime bill. We didn't hire Trump's son-in-law, a Democrat, to make any policy. That crime bill is just absolutely awful. It's called first step. When the Democrats get in, there'll be second, third, and fourth steps. You got a heroin epidemic out here, and what you got is there's so much money in these people selling it. And here you got an opioid, you know, bill to help get opioids off the street and stuff. It's not going to help when you're putting drug dealers back on the street. Look at the Asian countries. They got drug dealers. They lock them up for 25 years. No no questions asked. Hard labor. That ends the drug problem. Go to Korea. Go to Thailand. There's no drugs. Number four, let's be real. Lindsey Graham, McCarthy, they're no friends of Trump. Them telling him, wait until after the election. Wait until bad policy. You see what happened. Now the Democrats yes, get in. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with Even that. Even this Mueller. This Mueller should have been fired along with Sessions and Rosenstein right off the bat. I don't know that he was... could have fired him, though, before the midterm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that would have been a um, a good move. I'm not sure it would ever be a good move. I have to tell you, I'm not, I'm not sure about that one. But... Um, yeah, you know, I, as long as Lindsey Graham re- understands why he became our our favorite all of a sudden and how, why we enjoyed him as much as we did is because he stood up during the Kavanaugh and he has to understand what it was we liked about his bravery and his courage. And and, and he needs to stay that course, stay that course. But anyway, we he was badass then. I thought he was really it was pretty good during the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, real quick, John from New York. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. How are sure, you babe. today? Good. How are you? Uh, I am very good. Living the dream, avoiding the nightmares. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, a real quick story. 
because I heard uh, on your show Trump's daughter-in-law speaking. Yes. My family member, Donald, uh, worked on the Trump Tower some years ago. He was oh, a yeah. metal polisher. So he polished up all them big, beautiful brass doors. Well, one day Donald Trump comes walking out. My, my uh, cousin just said hello. This man stopped, shook his hand, admired his work. Mm. He, he, was, he was very happy, my cousin. Well, the next day, this man, who is a multimillionaire, brought my laborer cousin a cup of coffee. Stopped and talked to him No again. kidding. No kidding. Every, every morning he came out, he was a gentleman and a regular guy. And I feel bad that everybody is sort of against this man, and he is making every one of his promises come true. And I, he has my full support. You know, John, that was a sweet story. I really like that. I'm glad I got your phone call in. Uh, I believe that about him. I, I'm sorry that for him and for the country that they hate him so much because because he won on the Republican ticket because he wants to change business as usual. That's the biggie right there. Okay, and he doesn't want business as usual in D.C. and that's what they're afraid of. And uh, I'll tell you something. He. I really, I, I've said this a lot and a long time. He's not a Republican, not a Democrat. He's someone who loves this country. I truly believe that. And I think he looks at it and, and sees problems and thinks, I think I can fix that. I really do. Love you guys. Okay, we're coming back. When we come back, Katie Hopkins. You're going to love this interview. Honest to God, you're going to love it. I'm not lying. I like her. I think that's it. I'm a big fan of hers. Sean Hannity, at Sean Hannity, Rose, at Rose underscore Unplugged, and Rose Unplugged on uh, Facebook and on the web. Welcome back. It was so much fun being with you today. I always enjoy Sean's radio audience. And listen, just a reminder, his Twitter is at Sean Hannity. Mine is at Rose underscore Unplugged. And my Facebook is Rose Unplugged. And you can check me out some of my podcasts at Rose Unplugged. Also, I just want to tell you that I had done an interview on my show, Rose Unplugged, a couple of days ago with the great Katie Hopkins, and it was so good that I just wanted to share it with you today on Sean's show. So here it is, my interview with Katie Hopkins. Joining me today is an award-winning documentary maker, columnist for national newspapers, radio talk show host, and a best-selling author. She's currently a contributor at The Rebel. Please welcome to the show, Katie Hopkins. And by the way, I want to mention that your book is called Rude. Am I right? (laughs) You are right. You are right. And what I I don't want people to do is read the book and then, you know, be shocked by it. I think much better to put it on the front cover that I am (laughs) quite direct. And then people can take the risk for themselves. Well, good for you. I follow you, by the way, on Twitter, at KT Hopkins. And um, I so much appreciate, you know, your point of view so very often. One, One of the things that I saw most recently was your visit to Rome. And I have to say that my family is from Italy, of course, and I'm second generation here, but Um, I absolutely love Italy. I'm there. Gosh, I don't know. I've been there over a dozen times. I get there as much as I can. Um, I I was very happy to see, and a lot of my conservative Italian friends agree with me, um, uh, they're, they're liking what they see in Salvini right now. Yes, um, Salvini is doing incredible things for Italy. And really, it's all about his connection with the people. You know, policies and all of that come second, and they're all very well and good. And he's doing what he said he would do. But he has this real connection with Italians, Italian fishermen, Italian farmers. And his message is very simple. 
exactly the same as uh, Trump, of course, yes. saying, you know, we will put Italy first. And, and as one example, he has reduced illegal immigration into the country. In the six months he's been in office, he's reduced it by 81%. Oh, my goodness. I mean, absolutely fantastic for the people of Italy. And standing there in that public square, um, the Piazza del Popolo, and it's just filled with Italians waving their flag really proudly, chanting his name. It really felt like a kind of Trump rally. It had that same feeling of people who really support the man and support their country, which is great to see in Western Europe. Well, when you first started talking about him right now, you talked about how he has that great connection with the people, how he, he um, said what he was going to do, and he did it. Um, when he talks about Italy first, and, I, and, and the first thing that came to my mind is he sounds exactly like President Trump, exactly. Nothing I, wrong I with putting your right. country first. You're, 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 you're so right, and I think, you know, Trump has been very clear on that. I'm a proud nationalist. Um, certainly Salvini, I'm a proud nationalist. And I think as Brits and as Americans, you know, as part of the same family fighting for our countries, uh, respectively, you know, we do ourselves a very big favor to say I am a proud nationalist. You know, I think it's important we use the word correctly. It's important that we use the word often, and it's important that we don't allow other people to tell us what that word means when we know what we're saying. We're saying that we're patriots, you know, that we support God and the land, and that we will carry on standing up for what is right. And I think that's why we're seeing this resurgence in proud nationalists, and what's been a joy, um, although very painful for Macron in France last weekend, you will have seen the, the yellow vest, the gilet. Yes. Jaune. Now, before we get yeah. to that, let me just, I want to mention two things here. Well, first of all, you bring up a very good point, and I, I want to remind my listeners, do not be ashamed to call yourself a nationalist. That is precisely what the left wants to do to you, is shame you from saying that, because they know that when you say you're a nationalist, when a, when a leader says that we should have pride in our country, that's scares them because what the left wants are open borders. They want no distinctions made. And, and, and it's a game and don't fall into their trap. Number two, I want to ask Katie one, one more thing. We talk about Salvini uh, cutting immigration by 81%. Just stay on Italy with me, if you don't mind, just for one more minute. Cutting immigration. And one of the things I noticed, one of the last trips I made to Italy was that they, there, there was a concern there that the um, indigenous, uh, the, the Italians were being replaced by other nationalities because their birth rate, like much of Europe, is so very low right now. So um, and, and that's scary, too, because you want to see you want to see a country maintain those customs and the traditions and the, you know, what made them that country in the first place. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, if we think about the geography of where Italy sits, so it's in the Mediterranean, it is almost directly opposite Africa. So what was happening throughout 2015, 2016, 2017, was all of these boats, your, your listeners will remember these boats going across the Med. And what happened effectively was a ferry service was operating with these do-gooders, these left-wing kind of NGOs, let's save the world, let's welcome everyone, let's hug a migrant, bringing over half of Africa. And the first place they landed, the first port they went to, uh, was Italy. So I spent a lot of time on the coast of southern Italy with these migrants arriving in their thousands. And that's really what gave rise to Salvini being elected was this real sense that Italians were being forced out, pushed out and taken over by these migrants who were on a very nice 
they were earning very nicely, 45 euros a day, put in some of the nicest hotels in southern Italy that Italians could not afford. And whilst I was there, um, they had a protest in the village because they said their Wi-Fi was too slow. You know, these migrants that arrive are not grateful. There is an arrogance about them because they're used to being given what they wanted. Um, So that's why Salvini has done so well. Well, that's interesting. Now, let's get back to France, because that is uh, something else I did want to discuss with you. Um, the, the Macron seems to be either arrogant or stupid or I just or, or just a fool, or maybe all three. Um, he doesn't understand what the people are going through. He doesn't understand what they're asking for. His, um, I believe, his approval rate is what? At what? 21, 26 percent? 23 percent. OK, at the moment, 23 percent. Um, approval rating that is pathetic, um, and yet, and yet, when we talk about nationalism, he had the nerve, the nerve to attack our president, and he did so in a veil. He wasn't even courageous enough to come right out and say what he was meaning, but we knew that he was attacking our president when he meant when he brought up nationalism. So, he, but yet, his very pe- I think his people are asking for that same sense that you're seeing now in Italy that President Trump has, where America is concerned. Um, what do you think he is, all three, or, or just doesn't care enough about... You're, you're absolutely right. And I think what was so interesting is as I was stood in that square in Rome watching these millions of people chant Salvini's name, at the same time, the yellow vest, mm. the gilets jaunes, were rioting in Paris and across France, where 80,000 police and army personnel were stationed to fight back on behalf of Macron. He's now appeared on... State TV. He said that France is in a state of social and economic emergency. He tried to apologize, but of course couldn't quite pull that off because he mm-hmm. has about, you know, the emotional connection of a dead hamster. And, uh, and then he sort of rolled back on all of the tax increases that he's been applying to the lowest or the, the poorest 20% in France. So absolutely, uh, the people have had enough of him and his arrogance. It is precisely that arrogance that the French and others can feel. You can feel the arrogance of the man and the way that he attacks Trump behind Trump. As soon as Trump's gone in his car, Macron's up saying the opposite of what Trump would say. When Trump is sat beside Macron, he's like a small boy simpering away, nodding to everything Trump says. He's one of those, and I think he's intensely disliked. Um, and the Gilets jaunes say they will continue to protest until he steps down as president. All right, let's, can we clarify, would you clarify something for our audience? Because we're getting, we get different reports here. And the Gilets jaunes, the yellow vest protesters, are they quite different than the ones that we heard? Um, uh, there were protesters in the street um, chanting for Trump. We want Trump. Uh, there, there's a couple of different things going on there. D- d- the Dilejans are the 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 uh, our Antifa, right? Aren't they desecrating the monuments there? Aren't they graffitiing um, places? You know, long held. Yes. So, so, so for complete clarity, the, yes. it appears that the protesters that were chanting Trump weren't in France at all. Um, the police that were there in that video are that's an English police. Um, outfit. Oh. So I think that was an English protest. I think there was some confusion. Okay. Parking that aside, the Gilets jaunes, in the majority, in my view, are good people who are out just simply wearing the yellow vest, standing their ground, saying, no, we can't afford these fuel tax because we need to drive to work. But in amongst those yellow vests, there are obviously more violent elements. There's other elements that are using okay. them as a kind of cover to do the damage. So there's all these different elements. But I think at their heart, the Gilets jaunes are nothing like Antifa. They are ordinary men and women, 30, 40, 50-year-olds, 
trying to say we can't afford to live in France anymore. I think that that would be my take. You know what? Uh, thank you for clarifying that. And of course, this all has to do with um, global warming ideology that is held by Macron. Mm-hmm. And 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 yes, you know, and that's, you know, something to remind those in this country. I am so grateful to our president who got us out of the Paris Accord. Um, and, and since we've had the lowest scores, I mean, we're doing so well in terms of em- emissions and so forth. But uh, we can we can do it on our own. We, we're, we're, we're smart enough, bright enough, capable enough to um, to to care for the environment and still move forward. Uh, but what people need to understand is this is what this is what happens. You know, when, when you've got this global warming ideology and it's promoted by your president and then people can't afford to live. And it, France is expensive. Paris in particular is, is, is expensive enough. Let me tell you. Um, let alone being now this being imposed, these, these fuel taxes. Oh, absolutely correct. And, you know, what, what the, the Paris climate, climate Accord basically does, as, as you would recognize your listeners will know, is transfer wealth. Right. It transfers wealth from first world countries, countries in Western Europe and America, transfers it to Africa and third world countries, which Trump has a particular name for, which is probably not appropriate for the radio. <laughs> and uh, this transfer of wealth, that's precisely what Macron was doing when he imposed the fuel tax on his people. He was trying to show a kind of global leader for the environmental cause. Meanwhile, honest French people, who have three quarters of whom who have to commute to work, are taxed on their fuel that they need to buy to get to work. Yeah. And that's exactly that kind of globalist idea. One of the great things I just quickly want to share with you, sure. there's a massive kind of climate change global meeting going on in Poland right now. And because Poland doesn't deal with any of this nonsense... No, they don't. They brought, no, they're brilliant. The Polish are fantastic. They brought out the coal mining band to welcome the environmentalists to Poland. <laughs> <laughs> so three cheers for Poland all the way. Them. I love we, we had a um, an exchange student live with us for a year from Poland, and uh, we've stayed very close with the family. A lot of conservatives there in Poland, as you uh, as you could probably guess by what you've just said. Yeah. Can you tell us what's going on in the UK right now? What the heck? Oh, oh my I, God! I, I mean, I can't even begin. But I, I mean, we should start somewhere as a, as a, as a top line with that. We should bore your listeners with the very boring <laughs> process of Brexit two and a half years ago. My goodness. I thought this was settled two and a half years oh, ago. Give me strength as I live and breathe. <laughs> two and a half years ago, me and, and 17.4 million other people went out and voted to take our country back, to take our borders back, to right. say enough of immigration in our country. And what's happened two and a half years later is we are still talking about it. And it would appear that the elite, the our swamp, if you will, in Trump's terminology, is going to try. It, it, it looks like it, it will overturn the will of the people. Unbelievable. It appears that Brexit won't happen, and our government is literally falling apart at the seams. Well, yeah, I understand. Uh, Theresa May uh, wanted to postpone oh. the vote. Um, I mean, what the hell? You guys did vote on this already, for God's sake. You know, but, you know, this is it. You know, that's that's our left in, in our country. You know, if they don't like the outcome, they just keep they either try to find something to, to pin, in our case, Russian collusion, which yet they've yet to find in almost three years now, you know, going on three years. So so they will keep trying and, and keep doing what they do until they get the outcome that they want. It's, it's- 
true. And, and it's so, you know, one of the things I've observed, having been in America, in California, actually, for your midterms, watch what went on in Broward County, watch the finding of the ballots, the endless finding of Democratic votes, never a single Republican vote found, it seems. Um, when you watch that, what you learn and what you see, what you observe, is that people really want to believe in democracy. We genuinely want, at a, at a, at a human level, we want to believe our vote counts. And when someone starts to show us factually or, or through evidence or in Broward County when boxes turn up where they shouldn't, we really we feel a sense of personal disappointment that what we thought was true isn't. It's almost like a child realizing there is no Father Christmas. It's that kind mm, of feeling. That, right. And that's how Britain feels right now. It feels like we were children that believed in Father Christmas. We believed in democracy. And we're really watching the fact that the will of the people counts for nothing in our country. And it's a really depressing kind of feeling that's hanging over this country right now. We need people like you out there. It's so good to know you're there. Author of the book, Rude, you want to know what she's talking about? Get the book, is Katie Hopkins. And check her out on Twitter. I do. KT Hopkins. KT Hopkins. And uh, her website is rebelworld.co.uk. Thank yeah. you very much. It was very, very nice to speak to you. And uh, thanks for calling through to the UK and hearing what we've got to say. You're a doll. Keep up the good work. All right, we'll be back with more right after this. Once again, that was Katie Hopkins, recorded on my show, Rose Unplugged. Check it out at roseunplugged.com or Sean Hannity's page. We'll be right back. All right, it was such a great joy and pleasure to be with all of you. Thanks to Sean for allowing me to do this. Thanks to Linda and Ethan in New York, my producer, Greg. And don't forget, check me out on Twitter at Rose underscore Unplugged, Rose Unplugged on Facebook, roseunplugged.com. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a happy holiday and have a great night. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. Now the same Hollywood that sold the American dream. They are now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Now you can join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in the Hollywood Takeover brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some of the major studios. Now don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that can be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now, you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now, Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. 
You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. 